live from the res here with our special guest mr shane norty in the house how you doing man hey i'm doing good man how you doing you know it's uh good to be out here and uh glad to come out here tonight and uh talk some good things with you brother so thank you for having me out tonight absolutely absolutely you know i can't st- i can't uh, get into this interview without acknowledging something first off you know, your beautiful staff i was looking at the beadwork and then uh then i dawned on me holy smokes your mom's kind of a famous person Everywhere you go in the Southwest, you'll see beat it uh, gourds, real beautiful beat it gourds. I don't know if she was first. She might have been. I don't know. But I do know when I see a really nice beat it gourd, I look at it, and I know it's your mom's work. And I have one on the wall. So I don't even know if we can see that. But we, we have one on the wall. Um, and so, you know, I, I have a couple that were gifted to me and whatnot over the years of your mom's beadwork, man. And uh, you never picked up beading like that? No, I, I, I want to. That's what I want to do for sure because... It's a good skill and definitely something cool to have under your belt. <laughs> yeah, you know me, I like beating and it's like a, it's kind of like a meditative thing or it's a relaxing thing. Yeah, you know, I got my five kids, so when I get home, it's like, uh, you know, when I'm really pressed or something, I'll beat, it kind of relaxes me. When my kids are real small, you know, I wanted to do something where, I didn't want to just watch TV, but I wanted to be in the room where they were kind of playing. So beating was always cool to beat and watch them run around and do things like that. And so it was just kind of cool for me. And then I got into kind of doing it. Uh, but for you, it's generational, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your your mom beads, and then your grandma, um, your grandma, and then hers did, and then back. So yeah, she picked up from her grandma, and now she's passing it on to her mom, well, her daughter, <laughs> and then um, stops at my mom right now. So something I gotta pick up. <laughs> if not, I don't know who will. But we gotta find yourself a nice young up. lady and uh, have her hey yeah. beat it into the family. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So what do you, what do you do for meditation, all that kind of stuff? Or what do you do to relax the um, end of the day? Uh, for me, you know, it's it's more of a kind of just grounding myself to my area. So if I'm having um, a bad day or maybe something that's stressing me, um, you know, I've always looked towards sweating. You know, I sweat a lot. So I'll go gather wood. You know, I'll go down to the river get some rocks and um you know i'll get all the things necessary to um prepare the sweat and you know i'll put a call out you know whoever wants to come and help me out or whoever wants to come sweat you know and then i'll sweat and pray it out you know i talk to creator mother earth you know and just ask them to guide me you know and um, and so far you know i've been in a good place you know a lot of things have happened a lot of good bad you know but through this way of life praying and understanding who i am and my connection here I've been able to use uh, what the Creator Mother Earth has given me, and it's helped me to heal and be a better person, and to also share that to other people. Is is that something you kind of always done, or just kind of picked that up along the way? I, I picked up along the way. I mean, um, you know, I've always known. So I'll give a little backstory. You know, from when I was younger until I got a little older. So growing up on the res, you know, I went through um, Catholic school. You know, did my First of all, like communion, did catechism, you know, I did all that. And um, I always had an understanding of the creator, but it was just that um, through the church system, I could never um, fully grasp it, how they taught it and how they pushed it and tried to instill upon about God, you know, and um, it didn't sit with me. I wasn't sure I wasn't correct. And um, so after that time, my uh, I moved with my father. And um, I got put into a Christian school. So after that, I went through the whole Christian thing. You know, I had to cut my hair. I had to wear um, suit and tie and all that stuff. You know, and it's crazy because I felt like my ancestors, you know, I felt like the older generation that had to go through that, but went through it more forcefully and aggressively than what I went through, Mm -hmm. you know, and a lot more traumatizing than what I went through. But I could feel the, like, relation and, like, kind of the similarities to how it would feel to be put in that situation and kind of have no control over it. And um, so I went through that whole thing, you know, Jesus, Christianity, you know, get saved. And um, that really scared me. You know, I was at a time where, like, I didn't really understand my faith. You know, I didn't really understand too much of, like, that way of, of understanding. But I always knew the Creator was there. And then, um, you know, after that, you know, I, I got out of that school and I went to public school. And I got into public schooling. And, um, you know, I got out of all that religious stuff. But I always knew, like I said, I always knew, like, even though I didn't have a full grasp, like how I can grasp certain things in this life, I still knew that the Creator was there and something inside me told me that He was there. So within that time, you know, I went to school and then um, I started playing football, you know, and uh, 
I got pretty good. I was a right guard, you know, pretty big. And um, so I ended up going to JC. I was playing there for about a year, you know, and uh, it was good. You know, everything was going good. I was going to get ready to go to SCSU down here. I was going to play. I was right guard, 315 pounds, you know, doing good. But um, I got involved with some uh, medicine my brother talked to me about, and he was just explaining to me, like, you know, this medicine, it really, um, it really makes your prayers, like, if you're talking to God, it's like it makes it seem real. That's all I can tell you. So he gave me some medicine, and in that time, you know, I took that medicine, and I really was praying, and, you know, I just started asking the Creator, you know, Mother Earth, like, I'm here, you know, I, I'm doing everything they're telling me, I'm trying everything, but I just don't know you, like, and it annoys me, because I could talk to other people here, but, like, considering how much these people boast about how powerful you are, but yet, I can't even talk to you as, like, you're making your creation, you know, and I felt sad, and, um, so I just, like I said, I kept praying, and then finally, I had an awakening, and that awakening, you know, I was confirmed that, you know, the Creator and Mother Earth are real, beyond a physical manifestation of what a person can describe it as. And so within that time, it reconfirmed me what I had to do, and I realized that um, playing football and all that, because I wanted to use that as an avenue to reach the youth, because I wanted to be one of, like, the first few Native American football players to like join the football because then everyone would be like, oh, dang, he's a football player. Like, let's talk to him. Let's have him come to our res. So I was going to use that as like a platform to kind of express what's going on in the Native communities or what we can be doing in Native communities, sure. you know. And then, um, but the medicine, you know, it really showed me that it's not what you need to do because I, I know that football life, you know, might do Sunday and that's a hard lifestyle. Did you grow up with that? Did you do that? I didn't grow up with it. I just you got into high school. it. Yeah. Once I got to high yeah. school, I started to see my potential and like what I can do and how much I yeah. like to take with it. And, um, I knew I could do something with it, you know, but after that medicine, it was like, do you really want to do this every day? Like, do you want to kind of be under someone else's control? Like, mm -hmm. or do you want to like, be free and find out the truth for yourself, you know, and find out what you're really here for instead of like just thinking you have to do this because it's it's portrayed as something good or something that people look up to, you know. And uh, so that next day, I went back to JC. I quit all my classes, quit football, you know. And uh, my parents were pissed, and I got kicked out of my house. Oh man! And then, uh, <laughs> that day, you know, I got kicked out of my house and. My stepmom, like, you know, you need to find a house before the end of the night to stay in, you know, I want all your stuff out and all that, you know, because I told them what I did and they just thought it was crazy. And so I had a brother from San Diego, you know, his name was Brian Wilson, he's from Morongo too. And uh, he had an apartment down there, he had a two bedroom, you know, no one stayed with him. So he let me come with him. And it was cool because prior, before then, I had never sweat or anything. And the day I got kicked out, I got invited to my first sweat. And within that time, you know, I started really getting involved. That sweat really put me on my path to what I wanted to do and the things I needed to heal and be a better person. So long story short, I was down there in San Diego for about two years almost. And then I had a bro, a good bro who I sweat with from Oklahoma. Because one time I met him out in Oklahoma and he came down. And um, he was just describing to me that some big movement was going to happen in Arizona. That um, foreign mining company pretty much is going to take over um, these Apache people's land, and that there was going to be a big, like, movement there. And he was saying, like, because I explained to him my awakening and things I went through, and he was just saying there'll be people there that'll get what you're saying. Like, there's people there that'll understand, like, those other things because, you know, there's medicine people, there's healers, there's people who grew up around cultural stuff. Because me, I didn't grow up jack around cultural things, especially, like, in Southern California, there's not a lot of, like, you know, there's bird songs and whatnot, but in terms of, like, ceremonies and real culture, there's really not that much to be, like, expressed out of those who really know or, like I said, those who are wanting to take it on. But even then, like, like I was telling him earlier, you know, we had a lot more ceremonies. You know, as Native people, we had a lot more things that we did to keep us in check, to, you know, deal with elements, whatever it may be our people had sacred ceremonies and they did things and they took medicines too that helped with those ceremonies and helped achieve that state of consciousness or that way of praying sure. you know it's so true i was talking to someone uh today they said and we're kind of a you know group of us are friends or whatever and i have to go out and sing at a, a wake here in the next couple of days and um anyways 
it was a you know a white guy and he says hey uh uh, he was talking to one of our friends, and, he, and, the, and the friend's native, and he goes, oh, I'm going to the ceremony or whatever. Oh, I think Raul's going to that ceremony. Is it is it a, the wake? Are you going to that wake thing? And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, we're over here. He's out of state. He goes, over here, they got more ceremonies than just death ceremonies. It was kind of kidding, but it's sad because it's true. Like, mm -hmm. here in our region, like, the last real strong traditional ceremonies that go way back, you know, sadly, are our, our funeral ceremonies, you know, or wakes and all that stuff. And then the social stuff around... The birds singing, but all of like our puberty ceremonies, our our wedding ceremonies, our just the ceremonies where we connected with the water and the land and the different elements, you know, different things that we we're told about, you know, uh, the, the constellations and the paintings we made on the ground. So all of these different ceremonies, um, we have traces of them maybe, but they're not what they were because that was all ripped from us. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's sad. You go venture out and you see other tribes who have, they've lost a lot too. But you see, they have some of those ceremonies yeah, in place. It's beautiful. You ways. can feel it, right? I feel like you can, all of us as Native peoples can kind of rearrange ourselves and tap in and share. I think it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So that so you were out in uh, that uh, Arizona, the Apache Nation yeah, area? Yeah, so I, I ended up going out there. Because like I said, there was okay. going to be a sacred march. So he did a, um, it was a 61-mile march all the way from San Carlos Reservation to their sacred mountain, Chil Badaladea, Talese. They're mountain and Apache. And so I went down there, you know, I left, I just got a new truck, you know, I was 18 and uh, I just shot down there, you know, I left, mm -hmm. never left to stay on my own. Went down there, you know, ended up getting down there, you know, I uh, ended up meeting the people. I thought I'd missed it because I didn't know where I was going, you know, and, uh, but I ended up being at the right place at the right time, you know, and I met with uh, some guy, his name was uh, Vans or Nosy. And, um, I ended up telling him my story, you know, like what happened and who I met. And it turns out my brother, Keith, he ended up knowing him. So he was just explaining like, oh, yeah, it's a good friend of mine. You know, it's a good bro. He's good people, you know. And uh, I just telling him, like, yeah, he told me about it, you know. And um, then he was explaining to me like about his brother. And he's like, yeah, my brother's putting on this whole march. You know, he wants to fight back for his mountain and claim back his rights as an Apache man to mm -hmm. go back to his sacred mountain and pray, you know, and... So in that meantime, you know, then out comes his brother and uh, he's holding two staffs and uh, he's just chilling, you know, just walking around, making sure everyone's like lined up and getting ready. And uh, he just hands me two staffs. He has me both of them. And he's like, just hold these real quick. And then uh, he's like, all right, everyone line up, you know, and uh, he goes, he goes, where'd you come from? You know, just a little quick story about where it came from. I told him where I came from, how I left. You know, California at midnight, you know, I got there the next morning. And uh, so he just like kind of looked at me for a couple seconds and he's just like, okay. Man, he looked at the staffs and then uh, he gave me this one and uh, he handed it to me and he goes, here, like, you know, it's usually Apache people that lead these fights. He's all, but today we're, we're going back home and he's like, we're going to need to all come together to fight, you know, for our lands and for our people and for our children. And he's like, so we need everyone today. And he's like, well, let's get ready and let's lead this march. And then from there, we started marching, you know, and it's a two day march. And um, when we got there, that's when we ended up praying and making the prayers. And then um, not too long after that, they had Holy Ground. And that's when he presented this to me in Holy Ground and just explained to me, you know, what I get to do with it. And the staff actually comes from California. He was saying a medicine man gave it to him in a, in a run and told him that, he was gonna to need to give it back to someone from here and said, you know, the time when it was ready. And that's when he told me that he thought that was the time to have it back for someone from California to have staff and come back with it. So that's how I got that staff. And then from there, like I said, you know, we traveled to the whole country, you know, gained over 500 different tribes support. You know, we uh, got a co-sign through uh, Raul Grajara, you know, state senator in Arizona, and then um, our representative, Arizona, and then we also got on track with Bernie Sanders, you know, and he was the co-sign to the bill. And we ended up getting with his team, working with him in DC, and uh, we got the bill pushed through. And in that fight, like I said, it met a lot of tribes, you know, met a lot of ceremony medicine people. And uh, in that whole time, you know, I got involved with like the Animus River, Tar Sands, Keystone Pipeline, Sandy Rock, you know, I went through all those movements and I realized, like, um, all this help that I'm giving to these people, I need to take it back home because I'm not saying I don't care about them, but I need my people to be here with me if I'm going to be here again. Like, if I'm going to be here fighting, like, 
I'm gonna need my people here. Like if I'm gonna be standing on like pipelines or fighting foreign mining companies, it's like I'm gonna need my people. I can't just be standing by myself anymore because it's hard. It's tough, you know. And a lot of people are suffering, and that to me is not good, especially when I know the power that we have here, not only economically. But resources, mm-hmm. you know, and the type of movement we could create, not only economically, but just simple things like this, you know, just like this podcast, you know, we can make this work and start spreading like wildfire and start collaborating with getting people together on more serious terms about <clears throat> not only gaining back our sovereignty, but our rights as Indian people today to be here and pray on this land. So like I'm going to share this just because this is what I'm really doing. <clears throat> and I want you to edit it out just because, like, it's not it's not legal. And I'm going to say it because I want to share it because this is what I'm doing. This is what my stuff I use to travel. And so I got my knowledge and this is how I'm working. So that medicine I'm talking about is and our people. We have a rock up in the way and uh, rock mm-hmm. and it shows the river it shows our canoes. And it shows like whales and it basically shows like us taking down the mountain and then going down because where this rock is, you can see Oceanside. Oceanside is only like 35 miles from LJ. You know? Yeah. So it's like, especially when you're up here, you can see the whole ocean. And if you think about it, when the San Luis Rey was running at the time, it had to be running at least 45 plus miles an hour. So you mm-hmm. think you can make a canoe, hop in that thing and be in Oceanside in 40 minutes you know, by yeah. water, you know? and. So that's what I'm starting to come to. Not only that, but our people use things like Datura, you know, the Jimson weed. You yeah. Know, and they had other medicines. And I know damn well that the natives did other things around here to gain their knowledge or become medicine men or be able to gain their songs or their knowledge sure. or their healing. You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. that's what happened with me. So when I took that medicine, the creator basically told me, like, not that he's real. I'm just trying to make it in a in an understandable way. But sure. Just stating that, like, I'm here. Like, I've been here, and I didn't go nowhere. I think that's hard to do sometimes, you know, just to express these things, because sometimes it's a feeling or an idea or something comes to you. You know, sometimes they say it's a, a calling. You know, like, earlier you are talking about football, and you were saying, like, you know, you were you were good at it. You were doing it. You could have done that, gone that, dire- that direction and that route, and there was something in you that wasn't a calling to, for you to do that. And I think that happens to youth sometimes because they get caught in these, these lanes these fast tracks, you know, it's kind of like a train to get into these rails and somewhere along the way, they realize that's not who or what they are. There's not a calling to do that. And when it gets real difficult, you know, then they start to fall apart and then they want to, they have to aid themselves to get strong in that moment. And sometimes, you know, because they're falling apart, you know, they, they go to things like the drugs and the alcohol and the different abuses and the over-sexualization and the, uh, you know, some young dudes like to go scrap it out or whatever it is to try to make themselves feel stronger because they're not feeling whole, they're not feeling uh, accomplished, or they're not, they're not doing what their calling is. And then what happens, I think, sometimes, too, is you're putting all your energy and all your, your, your um, psychological, spiritual, and physical resources into something, sports or something that's not your calling, and you are kind of, like, distracted from maybe what your real calling is. You're not even listening to what the real calling is. So I think, to me, it sounds real beautiful to hear, hear you say, like, you know, hey, this is something that was good. I was doing it, but it wasn't for me. And, and I was able to find what my calling is. I know, when, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, but I know like you get a little bit older in the tooth. And I've had this experience where you're doing something, you're good at it. And you just realize one day, like this may not be for me or these things that I do are not for me. I know people that are in like in um, uh, different types of, um, um, you know, whether it's a, a different types of sobriety from, you know, uh, alcohol or drugs, whatever. They they go they go through that motion that moment at some point where they're they're living a lifestyle for me and they they find a way to kind of get away from that and and you have to you have to change sometimes you have to change your friends you have to change your location you have to you have to change but you just realize that that track you're on it's gonna lead, where does it lead and for some people um, relationships might lead to a heartbreak you know relationships with substances might are gonna lead to death you know in the news not too long ago there was a young rapper you know he's making music about pills and all these things and then and then he dies and they find out yeah he was on all kinds of drugs and stuff you know and it's like these train tracks that people get on they lead somewhere and sometimes you have to kind of stop everything and go wait a minute is there a way to 
redirect my energy, my channels? Is there any way to kind of find a calling, you know? And I, I do believe that too. I believe that our, our ancestors, not just our area, but all areas that, you know, you go all around, you hear ceremonies, you know, they have the Native American church, you know, they take things to, to help that channeling, to help that, that calling. Um, I've had the honor of participating in a few ceremonies in my lifetime um, where you go without food and water. Uh, I've gone without food, water, and talking for numerous days. Um, there's, you know, ceremonies that, you know, you're in, you're dancing in the sun. There's, you know, where you go without. And in those moments where you're really going without, it's like you get to that point and it's like, you know, we're living in the flesh. We're so caught up living in the flesh where you're always, you know, about your, oh, I'm hungry, I better eat something. I'm thirsty, I better drink something. Um, I wanted my brain to be tantalized with something on TV or my phone or my this or that. But just to say, no, 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 let's get away from the flesh a little bit. It's not worry about yourself. Let's get to kind of ground zero of understanding of your being. Sometimes that's getting out in nature and just touching the earth. Sometimes being clean water. Sometimes you have to go without food and water and get away from life in some essence. And you start to get into a different realm. A, some, you know, Again, these are language things. A lot of the stuff we describe was English. That's not our traditional language. So our ancestors had different ways of expressing these understandings. But... You know, you might say you get away from life, you get more towards like the spirit world, you know, like young guns, you're in a spirit world now. But it's like, you know, you really do kind of get that way. You go without water, you get delusional, you go without food, you get delusional, you know, you start having these like, whoa. But then when everything calms, you do get like a sense of knowing and understanding. And, you know, all nations, you find people that have had those experiences where they talk about we have these great vision quests or these search for knowledge and you had to go sacrifice great. And then the medicine came. The songs came, you know, my tribe, we have, we talk about for our origin stories of our songs, we say there was a time where our leaders got together and they wanted goodness for the people to come together. And they did, they went for a sacrifice. They went out and no food, no water, all of these things. And they prayed and, and then the creator of my house sent down a procession of animals and each one of them showed them what to do, but they didn't listen. And it was the last animal showed, this is what you do. And that's where our main core of songs came from. And then from there, our people have been able to sing and dance, have a good time since. But even in that story, you, you see that part where the old ones got together and they were like, we need a sacrifice for this. And throughout that story, every animal does the opposite. They want to take, 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 and then they lose out, whether it's their voice, they lose out their strength or their color or their beauty, you know, and the message throughout the whole thing is you got to give um, and you have to be receptive to new learnings. And I always think about what made our people so resilient over these tens of thousands of years and beyond since millennia, you know, since time immemorial we've been here, is that we're so resilient because we are learning people. We do like to learn and the nature changes, the environment changes, climate changes every three, every three, four thousand years. You know, we've been here way beyond that. So we've had to change with the climate. And so we have embedded in our and all of our cultures throughout Turtle Island that you know, we have to be open to learning and, and to experiencing one another and and to have our and, and seek our callings. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I, I know people do, um, you know, various uh, traditional and, and maybe things that have fallen out of tradition to um, to kind of excite that calling, you know, just to, to search that out and whatnot. But I think it's powerful if people can't find their calling, if they can't find what's strong, especially youth. Right now, there's an epidemic of teen suicide, epidemic of the opioid crisis, all of these things that when you get down to it, you know, you take a 10-year-old, 11-year-old kid who maybe hasn't experienced a lot of those feelings yet, they're going to come into a time of being where they are going to need help. You know, we need to start trying to develop them as individuals so that they're strong enough to be resilient to get through that those phases of life. Mm -hmm. And not everybody gets a blessing to, of a ceremony or a blessing of um, of an epiphany to go, you know what, this isn't right for me, man. Mm. So so uh, these days, what are you doing these days, man? Uh, I'm working hard, man. Like I said, um, I went into a sweat and an elder came to me in that sweat and he said, you know, what you're looking for with this medicine is that you're going to find it in the water, the fire, the air, the stars, the trees, animals. And he's like, get accustomed to that. Get accustomed to that and then come back into this world. Meaning like once you understand those creations, then come take this medicine because you'll be more grounded instead of mm -hmm. taking it and kind of being thrown into this world 
not saying I don't know it, but I don't know about other spirits. And, and what I have been told is as a spirit, everything I already understand. It's just us as humans as spirits that have yet to understand what all the other creations already know. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And that's what I was told. So he was saying that someone took over your house, meaning a spiritual house. And he was saying that when we were created, we were given the ability to govern a house, meaning like a spiritual house. And in this house, this is where like our people were able to like conjugate plans and healing. And I guess you could say it's kind of like going to another world. Like, like you go to this world and then you come back and you heal your people and you, you, it's basically like this place, you know? And, and I'll share it just because I got the black stone from the Apache people and they say that their creator, Pete Calnan, you know, he resides in darkness. He resides in a place of nothing where nothing is, there's no sound, no light. And that nothing though comes everything, you know, and that's what I'm getting back to. And that's what I'm trying to say with this world is it's like a place of nothing, but in that world is nothing. So what he was saying is that somebody took over your house, not took it over, but more so like, let's say you left a bike laying out for 10 years and someone was like, Hey, you know what? I gave it 10 years and you know, that's a cool bike and no one's picking it up. Might as well just go ride it and pick it up. And that's basically what I'm trying to say is this other entity just walked into our house because we haven't been taking care of it right. So that's what he said is basically get this right and then clean up your house because someone's in your house. So after that, I started getting involved, like I said, with um, my brothers in uh, Oklahoma. So I have a family in Oklahoma as part of NAC. Mm-hmm. So with them, I pray, you know, we peyote, you know, and um, like I said, my dad passed last year. And, um, you know, I'm not really with um, the whole church way of putting away people. You know, so what I did is I called my friends, my relatives, and I wanted to have a, a real ceremony, you know, a ceremony to really like acknowledge my father and actually have that time, you know, outside of the couple words from the Bible and some dirt on the ground and then you bury your loved one. You know, I wanted to have that real time, you know, just like our people, they'd have up to three days, you know, to mourn their loved ones and have mm-hmm. everything to give them that respect, you know, as they were here sure. and to give them that to go on with their journey. So that's why I called my relatives in and in that, um, I built a lodge and at the time, you know, this lodge was real rugged, but, um, you know, that helped me heal, you know, that peyote really helped me heal and understand, um, you know, the, I guess the natural cycle of death in a good, healthy way without it coming at me so angry or so depressive or so sad, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, I got to understand it in a real terms of life and death to know that it happens to every man and woman and no matter woman can escape, you know, and it's going to happen to me, all of us. So. That medicine really helped me grasp that as a young man, you know, because, you know, like I said, you know, see my father die, you know, I watched his spirit leave. And like I said, to heal from that, it makes me feel good because I know some people that haven't healed from their lost ones or haven't even found out how to heal from their lost ones, you know, being not with them or, you know, not being able to feel like they got to say goodbye to their loved ones or have Mm -hmm. that moment, you know, to acknowledge them in a good way without it being so rushed, you know. And um, so, like I said, I got involved with that and I started getting into my medicine and I was like, you know, I got to do this in here. So I started doing my medicine within the um, within the lodge. And I got, you know, my bros from Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arizona. They're all coming. I'm flying them in, you know, and I'm really proving to myself that this works, you know, because, you know, as people, we got to test stuff. You know, we got to make sure that we're doing something that clicks, you know. Sure. So I was getting a lot of people, you know, I was getting my bros, Christians, some Catholics, some people who don't even believe in anything. <laughs> so I was just testing the waters, you know, just to make sure. And um, so I don't know if you know about Oakland, how they were the second city in the U.S. to decriminalize mushrooms. And, um, you know, I, I just recently uh, started like picking up on all that stuff. Um and kind of reading up on it. Oakland, um, you know, the people decrim nature Oakland, you know, they're one of the very few people in the countries, like I said, only two uh, cities in the country, you know, Denver, Oakland, one of them, to uh, decriminalize psilocybin uh, magic mushrooms and other um, ethnogenic plants, you know, such as um, peyote, ayahuasca, a bug, ibogaine, and um, other other sorts of plants. And um, so basically just got in contact with them, you know, just... Uh, Talking about how we have ceremony and we conduct uh, sacred ceremonies that involve uh, plant medicines and basically um, got on board, you know, had him on board and um, had him come down and we sweat, we prayed and um, started working with him. And uh, he fully supports the, the native movement and I guess using sacred medicines to help heal, you know, oneself and using plant medicine. So uh, that's, a, that's a really good, uh, a good beneficial, especially with the movement 
that is happening right now in California. And I think it'd be a good thing for native people in California to start reestablishing ceremonies and their connections to the land bases they're from. And also, um, I guess, becoming better native people with their connections to the creator mother earth, something that, um, a lot of tribes are lacking today in spirituality and prayer and ceremonies and, uh, having that respect for that life. You know, I hear always so many, so much from different nations. They say, we talk a lot about um, political sovereignty, talk a lot about economic sovereignty. And now a new one is like, oh, what about food sovereignty? You know, some tribes in our, I know in our region down here, uh, you start talking about energy sovereignty. Get, let's get into getting, harnessing the, the energy of the sun with, you know, solar panels and all that. But I think there that, you know, we got to look back not too far back and, and think about our spiritual sovereignty. You know, we have the um, the act that protects our, you know, the American Indian Freedom Religions Act that's there to protect our spiritual sovereignty, because the reality is, is, you know, there are a lot of natives that are Christian now, uh, various types of Christian uh, now. But when Europeans and Christianity's got to these shorelines, natives all over the Turtle Island had their own ways of interacting with with their environment and their spiritual environment. And they had their own ceremonies to live their life. And they were living good lives. And, uh, that, you know, it was expressed in that in that act, you know, that we're supposed to be able to celebrate and, and pray and and have our own ceremony, have our own spiritual sovereignty. And I feel like that gets pushed off the table or forgotten sometimes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Or there's a lot of factors, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, you can do this to the prior to the factor of or limited to when it's like. No, you know, considering we're the first people, you know, if Mormons, Catholics, Christians, Jews, you name it, Muslims can all have the freedom of religion. This country was founded on so-called freedom of religion. So why not grant the native people, especially when we're not even, a lot of the reservations are outside the borderline of the cities. Like, for instance, where I'm at, we're 30 miles from anybody in the local city like Temecula, Escondido. So at the end of the day... I think government shouldn't even matter because we're isolated and we're in designated places that are not as open to the public as if we were in a major city or some type of city like that. And I think it's a big next fight that we need to bring to the table because, you know, some we're losing. We're losing our spirituality, our prayers, mm -hmm. and our, um, I guess, our humility as people to be ceremonial praying people, you know. And I think tribal councils should definitely start working towards that. And I think that's that should be one of their duties as tribal councils to protect the rights and praying the rights of praying for their own people, you know, and then tribal tribal councils should fight for that and they should protect that. Yeah. And I feel there's a need. There's a need when you look out Indian country and you start looking at the, the issues that are out there and, you know, there's, there's a lot obviously, but some that are really uh, people are talking about right now are the, the uh, teen suicide, uh, the, you know, youth are, are taking their lives. You're, see, you're seeing the opioid and, and the drug abuse crisis going on right now. And, you know, a lot of those things, um, they have roots in a lot of our youth being disconnected. And I know a lot of our tribal leadership are always looking for ways to get connected with the youth. And they start looking exterior. They start looking kind of, um, they're, they're looking all over the place. But I, I don't know that they're looking to our spirituality. You go all over to the native tribes, all over, you know, North America, South America, all over our hemisphere. And the one thing I, I always feel when you talk to really indigenous people around the world is that we all have a very um, spiritual connection to our land, to our being. And I know for me, I, you know, I, I feel a spiritual connection to the land I live on. This is the land that my ancestors live on. You know, I'll go down to like um, to the shorelines, uh, La Jolla, Del Mar, these places. And, you know, you go walking down there and some of those people will give you a funky look because, you know, they, they that's their yard and their house there. And. You know, who's this guy walking on my street? And I always just wait for one of them to come out and say, excuse me, sir, what are you doing in my yard? And it's like, first off, I'm taking your flowers. Second of all, but no, it's like, oh, this is your yard. Really? Your ancestors are buried inside of this soil. Your ancestors are, you know, it's like, you know, they're not. Yeah. But, you know, but I have that that connection everywhere we go. It's like, oh, really, your ancestors are the ones that were praying on this land here. Your ancestors are the ones that were making babies on this land or, or eating on this land or urinating on this land for, you know, time and millennia. No, those are my people that did that. That was my connection. And so when our people said you're made from this earth, yeah, literally the earth and myself are one. We were made from this. The food that I, my ancestors ate came from that land. You know, the animals that they ate to survive and to, to make clothes and all of their items came from that land. 
<clears throat> and when they passed on, they went back to that land to create part of that cycle. And I and I'm part of that cycle, and it's ongoing. And so I, I feel that spiritual connection. And there's ceremonies, I think, to to strengthen that understanding. But you see that amongst all indigenous people, where they talk about where they came from, that connection, who they are, and the connection to each other, and and how to um, kind of touch upon that to strengthen themselves. So I, and I think that to our our youth, to all of our communities, really, people that um, you know that we're so busy in the rat race. So busy trying to make money or economic development or this person said this, this person said that. Same time, it's like a lot of that troubles would just kind of go away if we got a little bit back to the old way of thinking to our spirituality. And, you know, everybody's spirituality doesn't have to be the same thing, I think, you know. Yeah, um, and I think sometimes you, you see that like, well, that's not how we did it. Well, if that's what works for you, good. But it doesn't mean that another way is not going to work for somebody else. Yeah. And I think that that's part of what was trying to be protected at that time. And that's something that I think our ancestors were willing to die for. You know, I'm, I'm a traditional singer. So I know when I sing, I tell our youngsters, like, these are things that you should not take for granted because our people were persecuted and killed for doing these things. But yet we still have them. So that tells you that somebody somewhere sacrificed a whole great lot you know they they probably sacrificed their life whole to their whole generation maybe their family to transmit these to the next generation so if you're gonna miss the saturday afternoon because we're going singing i mean you don't have to go but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get on your yeah i'm not gonna feel so bad yeah. that you give up a saturday i don't feel bad when i give up a a, a day of my life for these things because i know someone probably gave a whole life up for that and and so we really should be willing to fight for it or at least be willing to explore it and look into it and so when you look at native spirituality native uh religion kind of gets like people want to call it like it's a bad word but whatever people use to um to, to elevate themselves or to um to pray to do their ceremony whatever you know it's like i think we have to be a little bit open-minded and we have to get back to our roots a little bit and our people have always have always been real resilient and dynamic to a little bit of change and um you know and have always connected with nature find things in nature that are gonna that are very uh the base of what we live off of you know the good clean foods clean waters oh, yeah. living on clean earth taking those plants that were given to us in dreams and and in visions and using those as medicine and so medicine you know can be many things i mean people joke around say, oh laughter is the best medicine but it is a good medicine. I know I feel better when I laugh, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, it takes a lot away. It does, you know? And I, and I think, like, what you're talking about with a lot of these, uh, you know, different, I guess, what do they call hallucinogens, I guess she was. I don't yeah. even. The, hallucinogens, psychedelics. Psychedelics is probably the more better term for it, I guess. I don't know. People go right to, like, um, the 70s or the 60s and. The Dare, the yeah. Reagan era. Oh yeah, I did the dare dance, you know, <laughs> dare to keep the kids off drugs. And we had to make a little dance with it, you know. And it's like, don't, uh, don't smoke marijuana, you'll die first time. And it's like, what? Which is sad because now they're placing fentanyl in some of that marijuana. So I guess that really can't happen. At the time it couldn't, but now it can. It's like, whoa. So it's scary for kids, you know. It's scary for, well, you know, what it's scary for. It's scary for parents. I got teenagers, and I think like. You know, in my era, I knew it was BS when they said, you try some of this stuff, you're going to die. But at the same time, I didn't want to get caught in a behavior. So I always stayed away from it. But nowadays, it's like... It's real. No, nah, man, yeah. you might literally die. Yeah, someone yeah. give you some lay stuff or think they're giving you some and shit, you're dead. I mean, look at all these people dying right now. I'm pretty sure some of it has to do with them thinking they're getting a legit drug and that shit could be laced. Not saying that they're yeah. about to get them, but who's to say, you know, when you're with certain people... Someone could easily be, you know, an insider, a fed, or not like you, and easily know that, hey, this guy likes drugs. So if I have a certain drug, he won't even know, and he takes it and he's dead, and then I just did my job. And that's what I mean by be careful. You know, these people don't yeah. know because there are things out there that are laced that aren't fully the right thing that you think you're taking. And, and I think that's what's happening to the people that are dying right now, like these rappers and celebrities. It's like, you know they're so used to their habits and they catch slipping you know and they will get something like fentanyl they will get something that they thought was this medicine and it ends up killing them you know what i mean so like it's real you know and i totally i see that you know and i see it in a lot of different things and that's why um, i think it's good that we need to bring back spirituality and ceremony because 
it kind of, I'm not saying it teaches you how to act, but it gives you that, I guess, kind of like, you know, like when you get your ass whooped, you know, you got your ass whooped and in a ceremony, you know, like you need to work on yourself or you need to get rid of like some bad luggage or some bad habits because this could happen if you continue to stay in it. And ceremony is a good way of like showing you it before it happens. It's kind of like, Hey, you're doing this right now. But if you continue to do this in the future, this is all that can entail with it, you know, and that's what I think some people need that instead of just like your mom or dad saying, don't do that. Don't do that. And you need to actually hear like the spirits or the medicine, like tell you like, hey, like you're going to die or you're going to get sick or something to happen to your family and your friends. Like, I think some people need to hear that, you know, just like they say, some people need to get burnt to know it's hot, you know, so I think some teenagers nowadays they need to get that little spiritual gut check to say hey you better check yourself because you're going down a path that leads to to death that leads to separation of your family confusion of yourself isolating your place in a place called loneliness and it's like they made all that stuff for us they made it all to isolate us and to get us lost so it's like now is the best time to like what they say decolonize yeah absolutely and i know like as a parent I, I, my, my thing is, is I want my children to feel strong. I want them to feel whole, you know, I want them to, and I want them to be well, you know, and I think every parent has that for their, their little ones or, um, for their nieces and nephews. And, you know, we should all want that for our, our kids, our youth, for each other, you know, even people that are older are trying to figure it out still. We want that for one another, for our families to, to oh, feel yeah. whole, to feel strong, feel well. And, and we know that we've all, you know, gone through times in our life where, we have done, you know, you know, we've been in situations where we're not in a good place, you know, and we're angry or we feel insecure. I mean, everybody has those moments and we find ways to, to get through it or to strengthen ourselves from it. And sometimes we do make the wrong mistake in the middle of that, you know, and sometimes that's drinking, you know, you're, you're sad, you know, you lost a family member or something, you start drinking and next, you know, you go down a rabbit hole and you don't come out for 10 years, you know, or you get depressed, you know, you're. Your good one and only left you, you know, and she went with someone else. And now, hey, you know, now you're around the res like a res dog. You're all sniffing around, you know, deep inside (laughs) you. You're just at home missing her, you know, but it's like, but, you know, these are like you're acting out because you're not feeling whole. You're not feeling strong. You're not being well. and And it's like, you know, people can sometimes get through that and they come out the other side and they have that clarity and they're able to get back on track. But nowadays, you get um, you get a young a young person to get on, involved in something like that. And they're looking, and they're looking, and someone gives them the wrong substance, and then that's it. They're done. Their life's over, and that's the scary part. And so, you know, sometimes you learn. I I feel like you you obviously have learned this, and I've learned this is uh, is that ceremony and prayer can really help you in those moments. You know, and I think that's something our ancestors. That's a gift they gave us. To, to know that, you know, to remember that, check yourself before you wiggity wreck yourself, yeah. you know, they're like, don't go do drugs, you know, take a, take a deep breath. Let's pray a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Let's pray. Like, let's do that instead. That's what I say about ceremony. At least you're giving it in ceremony in this shit not happening in real life. Yeah. Because this is showing you what's to come if you don't stop. So right. it's like, at least you're getting pre-warned because some yeah. people don't get pre-warned and they're dead. Yeah. They're cutting their throat. They're taking pills. They're getting a drunk DUI crash. Yeah. They're killing someone. They're fighting their spouse, whatever. So it's like some people don't get that pre-warning. And that's why I say I think it'd be better for people to get that pre-warning. I'm not saying it's going to change them, but at least they'll have a little bit better chance to be like, yo, I'm in a little deep right now and I got to pump my brakes before I yeah. fucking spin out and crash and die. You know what I mean? Because that's real. You know, like I always tell people. The farther you are away from Creator and Mother Earth, the closer you are to death, you know? And, like, that's real to me. Like, that's how I feel about it. And I just express to people. I think it's like, real for our area, yeah, man. Go yeah. to too many funerals and say it's not. Oh, you know, yeah. You see like, it. dude, that's what I told my lady, you know, my wife. I was like, because she, you know, she's from, she's from the Reds, too. But, you know, she just, you know, I was explaining to her just around here, man, funerals all the time. Like, even being a little kid, you know, by the time I was 13, I've already been to like 15 plus funerals and I talked yeah. to people in public school, they've only been to like one, you know what I mean? And I'm like, shit, on the res, there's one like every month, every two months, every three weeks sometimes. I was yeah. like, shit, and especially in the times of like November and December, there's always people with three, there's always things going and I'm just like, it's real, you know, we see, I feel like, I'm not trying to put ourselves down, but I feel like we've seen a lot more death than actual life, you know, because we've mm-hmm. seen a, 
a lot of what's been taken from us and the effects of when we're without, you know, and yeah, I think it's time now to just dust our shoulders off because this shit happened and fucking it's hard, you know, and I can speak for myself going through what I've been through and I know everyone else is going through things, but I think now is the best time to just shake that shit off and like put on back our strength as native people and fucking ride with that shit because I mean, this shit's beautiful. Like, and I'm not meaning the staff. I'm meaning like, well, the beans are beautiful for sure you now, but yeah, represents. yeah, for sure. You know, the for water, sure. the air, the plants, the animals, the people, the stars, yeah. it's, it's everything in correlation. And to me, that's who we are. We are yeah. the plants. We are the animals. We are the stars, the trees, the moon, the water, the ground. And I want to stay that way, you know, cause for me, I feel no more natural than when I'm in, in prayer. And when I'm in these mountains or getting spring water or cedars or picking sage or even just going for a walk to know that my ancestors prayed here. My ancestors mm. gave all what they could here and they made it work without sure. all the shit we got. And so that means I can make it and, and I can make it even better because I have these resources now. I'm not in the say that I'm struggling. I have every right to be a better Indian. And that's what I want other Indians to know sure. is while the time you have now, you could definitely become a better Indian for tomorrow and be the new Indian for tomorrow because a lot of people don't even really know what an Indian is outside of like Hollywood and the powwows and shit and it's like we can create that new image now you know and that's what mm-hmm. I, I try to be you know like I may not have my regalia and all that but it's like no nah, it's, it's 2019 you know I ain't gonna be in no buckskin I'd love to I'd love to have all that but at the end of the day I know I'm modern and I know that I'm colonized, you know, and I'm yeah. not going to say that I'm not because we all are. You're not just going to rock the loincloth yeah. just once? Yeah, man. Yeah, I'd love to, but at the end of the day, it's still beautiful representing this because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, this is how I got to come because this is the world we're in. This is the yeah. time we're in. We wear clothes. You know, we do things like this. So it's like, that's what it is. But at the end of the day, this still stands the way it is. Absolutely. Know? And, you know, like, our people lived in the, with the uh, within the rhythm of nature, man. They had to look forward. They had to know what was coming, and they had to do their best to try to guesstimate and prepare and plan. And so I always tell people, because I think on the reservation, we became very reactive, sit and wait. But our people used to not be like that. They used to be very proactive. Mm-hmm. They were storing up for the winter. They were, you know, oh, uh, yeah, making things. And you, that's yeah. the thing about what you're talking about, you know, like, okay, let's get together, start getting back to ceremony, start praying. Let's start strengthening ourselves so when t- hard times do come, we're, we're in a good position we're to set. deal with it. Yeah, we're and set. Let's be proactive. Struggle, yeah. You know, like you're talking right about the water, like, like for instance, in Morongo right now, I'm going through this struggle, you know, because we own Arrowhead. We own the biggest bottling plant in California. Oh, I forget and, that. And like, I knew I liked that water for some you reason. Know, and I, I went up there and yeah. I was just expressing to them, like, you guys are so good at selling our brand, right? Like you sell Morongo, we're a billion dollar casino, but yeah, you can't put this emphasis into this water. Like it's going to be very foolish of us in the future to have this much fresh water, yeah. to have to go buy water from somewhere else. Because a shitty ass company like Arrowhead took all of our water. And, you know, they sell it because we get a water bonus, we get all this shit, but they sell it. And so they have a they have a deal with Arrowhead and I'm just like, the money they're giving us, they're making like ten times more than that. Because Arrowhead just don't sound California. Arrowhead sells worldwide, you know what I'm saying? Oh, so yeah. like that water isn't just going to California. Well, I know that I've driven to Maine. Literally I drove to Maine one time. And I know it, this is a trippy thing that I learned. Is if you go like to a Walmart or a Kmart, like you know those big places, because a lot of places in the United States they don't have fifty stores to buy some. There's like three or four stores in town, yeah. right? But if you go to every one of them, they have the same water that we have here, uh-huh. but they just have a different label. Yeah, same label style, but just yeah. a different name. Mm-hmm. And it's like so maybe it's Arrowhead here because we're in California, but you go over like four or five states, it's whatever lakes in their state, mm-hmm. and it's like but it's, all the, part it's, of it's this, yeah, it's the same, same thing. It's the same label, same yeah. color, same look, same. The water tastes pretty much the same. Um, but it's it's the same, and yeah. it's like, and then they're a little knockoff. Like, is the blue, and then there's the Arrowhead red. Like, well, like the that, water shelves look the same. It's like, weird. Um, what I'm trying to tell my tribe yeah. is like, we should be investing in that because that's gold. I'm not saying I want to create the economy with it, but if so, why not have it in case? But yeah. if not, then we can resupply our canyons, everything because our canyons fucking dry. You know, what I mean, everything's yeah. dry, and that's because they divert the water. You know, and it's like. You bring the water back, you bring back the environment. More deer come around, more animals, so the game, everything comes back. But you take the water, animals leave because they got to go find water. You know what I mean? They yeah. got to go find other places. So that's what I'm trying to invest with my tribe is like, hey, like, I know the money's cool. You know, don't get me wrong, the money's cool. But that water is more important. If we run out of, let's say the casinos went, 
if we had full sovereignty over water, that's gold. Because, you know what I mean? With the water, you can produce crops. You can do sustainability. You can create many yeah. different forms of sustainability, you know. But if you don't have water, you're shit out of luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's what I try to bring to my tribe is like, this is silly. Like, I get it. You guys want some money. But with this amount of water we have and, like, the amount of money they make, why can't that be our label? Or why can't we just say, hey, we're saving this for us. Like, you have no right to sell our water. You know what I mean? And it's that sure. simple. You know, it really is. But because there's millions of dollars involved, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll sell my water because you're giving me millions of dollars. Well, I think that's the challenge of the, of the next generation for sure is to, you know, it used to just be like, we got to try to survive. And then the next generation is like, okay, we're going to survive, but we need to try to create some economic development and whatever makes that dollar. But I feel like, you know, the next generation has to be real nitpicky on how oh, yeah. we're going to make that dollar. Yeah. And in particular, how are we going? Because we've already seen it as Indian like tribes. Toronto, they got a lot of oil up there. Yeah, in, in, the, uh, in, in the tribes here in our region, really all over the United States, we've seen the water wars come and go. But here in San Diego, you know, I come from a tribe here, Viejas, the next tribe over, our next rise over Barona. We both were um, booted out of our, our village space down there. Capitan, uh, Capitan yeah, they took that, that, yeah, that, water that water for the El Capitan Reservoir, you know, in the 30s. And so we, we've seen what that looks like when they come in and say, hey, San Diego's thirsty. We want your water. And they oh, just yeah. took it. Just like so the water mind. wars happen. And they're yeah. coming. They're coming yeah. back. They're coming back because they're yeah. taking it. Like, the, like I said, the avocados, yeah. the oranges, the farmers, they're going to need that shit. So the state's going to be the only ones to give it. And that's what trips me out about Palmer Mountain because Arrowhead's up there too. And that mountain supplies water for Temecula and Escondido. So like I said, it goes to show how much water is in that fucking mountain. And on top of that, that whole avocado plant. <laughs> so, um, Ryan, is there a... Uh, I said the car's full. Are you serious? No. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, I'm having a crazy technical time today. Let's do this, man. Let's... Um, uh, I don't... So yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff going on out there right now. Um, but uh, so if there's, let me start this over again. So man, yeah, there's there's a lot going on out there, but it's good that we have um, an attention put on our environment. You know, that's again, like I think that's a challenge of the the next generation. So if people want to get a hold of you, or they want to um, or follow you, or kind of learn more, uh, how can they get a hold of you? How can they uh, see you, man? Oh, I have an Instagram. It's uh, Med Sue Strong. You just type in Med Sue Strong. M-E-D-Z-Z-Z-T-O-O-S-T-R-O-N-G, just Medzi Strong. Okay. Or you can go on the internet and look up uh, Church of the People for Creator and Mother Earth.com. You just type it in in the URL, just full like that, Church of the People for Creator and Mother Earth, and it should take you to my website. On there, you can get a little insight of what we do at the church, you know, and also you can get a hold of me through there, through email, contact. My, uh, my Instagram account is also linked on my uh, website, so yeah, you can find me on there and for me on instagram or the website all right man well thanks for coming in we appreciate it. um you have a good night man live from the res we out yeah